0: Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Welcome, everybody. You guys having a good day? How many of you guys were excited to see your grass? How many were horrified to see your grass? All right, we got a good mixture here. Some people loving the white stuff, some people not so much. All right, this morning we're going to have fun. We get to continue our series, It Shall Come to Pass. When I say continue, I mean we get to close it out. We get to have our final... Uh, message in this series, and I get to give it, so I'm very excited. We are going to talk about heaven. I mean, there is a lot to say about heaven, and I'm going to see how much of it I can say in 30 minutes. Um, I am not going to go over every verse in my notes. I'm not going to go over everything in entirety. I'm just going to whet your appetite. If you have questions, I have a lot of more stuff in my notes than what I'm going to cover. I've got about 100 pages of stuff to reference here, about 500 here, and then uh, another—I don't remember how many in this book— if you hear this and you're like, okay, I, have, I want to know so, so much more, this is available in the bookstore. It's called Heaven, you know, kind of an appropriate title, uh, by Randy Elkhorn. Awesome book. I stole a bunch of things from him. I'm just gonna cite and say I stole stuff from him now and just figure if it was really good. I don't care if I came up with it. You can just give him credit. Um, he's got another one, In Light of Eternity. which has got some real good stuff as well on the subject. And then... There's a few other random things in here. But as we kind of start talking about heaven, I discovered, actually from page 19, um, that the sense that we'll live forever has somewhere, has shaped every civilization in human history. And you can go through and discover that Australian Aborigines pictured heaven as a distant island beyond the western horizon. The early Finns pictured it as an island in the far east. Mexicans, Peruvians, and Polynesians believed that they went to the sun, moon, after death. Native Americans believed their spirits would hunt the, the spirits of buffalo. Um, The pyramids of Egypt had embalmed bodies, had maps placed beside them as guides to the future world. And it lists a bunch of other different cultures and what they did. But then it goes on and says the anthropological evidence, and I butchered that because I can't talk right now. But (laughs) anthropological evidence suggests that every culture has a God-given innate sense of the eternal that this world is not all there is. This idea, this, that there is more, that death here isn't the end, is somehow been wired into every culture across the planet. It has not been until the recent years that anyone has tried to deny such things. And, and now, anything that they can't personally experience and repeat repetitively in front of you, they want to deny. But... It's in us. The Bible tells us that it's supposed to be somewhere where we set our mind, and it's supposed to encourage us. It's supposed to affect how we live today. Colossians chapter three, verse two says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. First Timothy chapter six, verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. He goes, "This, the knowledge of the eternal life is supposed to be something that you affects how you live today. Second Timothy chapter four Verse 7 says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, not only to me, but to all who longed for his appearing. And he goes through and says that how he lives, he lives today for the reward that's there. He goes, that this knowledge of what God has for us is supposed to encourage us. In 1 Thessalonians, it says to encourage each other with these words as talking about heaven and Christ's return. But why is it that to so many Christians, heaven is not encouraging? To a lot of Christians, their goal is to get as much pleasure out of this life as possible because eventually, they're going to die and go to heaven. Like, what? What? Um, The Bible tells us that the devil's a liar and the father of lies. In fact, it actually lists his three favorite things to lie about. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God, his name, um, and his dwelling place, and those who live in heaven. He sits here and says that the devil is going to lie about God, the devil is going to lie about heaven, and about um, God's name or God's character. And as I got thinking about this, I'm like, well, what do people tend to believe about heaven? Can you put up that uh, picture? Wish I bought a magazine. Like, this is somehow a lot of people's picture. They're like, you know what? I'm going to be on heaven. I'm going to be cross-dressing. And maybe if I'm lucky, I'll have a harp to play. And it might take me eternity to make it make good sounds. So, sorry if you're on the cloud next to me. But like, that's... Where you hear so many jokes, that's kind of what people tend to picture as heaven. And you go, well, where did they get this idea? That idea actually comes from Greek, Greek, Greek philosophy, from um, Platoism would be the term, where they believed that anything spirit was good and anything physical was bad. And so they deny everything that's physical and try to make heaven just a very spiritual and as unphysical place as they possibly can. Uh, Randy Elkhorn, who wrote the books that I mentioned here, he was talking with a pastor, he, so, a pastor who should know better, who said this. He says, whenever I think about heaven, it makes me depressed. I'd rather cease to exist when I die. I can't stand the thought of all that endless tedium to float around in the clouds with nothing to do but strum a harp. It's all so terribly boring. And I read stuff like that, and you're like, what, who, who told you that you're going to sit on a harp on a, harp, sit on a cloud and play a harp. Like, where does, why? And this idea where people go, well, heaven is better than hell because hell you burn, heaven at least you don't burn. And it, it's not awesome, it's just the better alternative is a horrible lie that the devil tells going, if I can rob you of the hope, if I can rob you of the goal, you won't push toward the prize. I talked to this morning, to one of the Granville football players. I looked at him and I, he's getting bigger. Like shoulders are growing wider. I went to give him a hug. I'm like, dude, what happened? Like, I'm lifting. He's like, we made it to the playoffs this year. You know, like, The season's already over. He's like, yeah, but next year. And there's like fire in his eyes. He's like, yeah, and a bunch of the guys. We are already prepping for next year, why? We made the playoffs. Could you imagine what could happen if we start now? And like, why is there all of a sudden a fire and a change in things now? Because there's been a hint of the possible future that awaits him. And so he's adjusting, and a lot of these guys over there are adjusting their actions and their behaviors now to make possible that which they have got a glimpse at. But as I begin to, to see this going, this is what's supposed to motivate us, but Satan's trying to rob us and tell us that it's going to be boring. But who was it that made waves to surf, mountains to climb, and to bike, horses to ride, beaches to walk, to play volleyball on, lakes to swim, trees to climb. It's going to be awesome. And, but so often we have this conception that the only way to worship God is to sing in a service. And so we go, well, heaven then will be singing Forever and ever 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 and that's a lot of evers. And if you're standing next to me, unless God does a miracle to my voice, sorry. Like, but that's this image. But worshiping God, heaven will be full of worshiping God, but worshiping God does not just involve singing. Do you realize when someone does, when something does what it's made for, it brings honor to the one that made it? I have two little boys, and my boys are, are actually, technically I have three. I just haven't got to really meet the one yet. I just yell at them through my wife's stomach. Hello, Titus. But um, I, uh, I have two boys that I get to play with. They're lots of fun. I, I play with Titus, too. I poke at the belly, and then he pokes back, and my wife gets mad. <laughs> She's kicking me. Like, but I can feel it. But anyways, um, it's so much fun, and as they do cool stuff, it just makes me smile. I'm like, why? Well, because they're my children. They're my kids. I love them. And as the, the bigger that they get, and like when Benaiah, my old, he went out hunting with me at Tom's the other day. Oh, he lasted like three minutes, but it just made my day. And he, he liked the idea of hunting. He just didn't like hanging in a tree. And uh, we had him like harnessed and roped up there so that if he like jumped off the tree stand, he would go nowhere. But the tree stand was a little bit like crooked and wobbly and he was freaking out, but it was cool. And he went with me and I've got pictures to prove it. And it just like, it made my day because he was, He was doing things with me because he wanted to be with me and because he wanted to honor me. And as we go to heaven, worshiping God is, there will be times where we spend times on our face. There'll be times we spend time singing, but worshiping God is not reduced to the time you spend singing in front of the throne. That all that God has made us to do, as we begin to live this out, this is the way that we honor God. Part of Um, so we have to get a much broader understand of worship to begin to understand what in all heaven will include. But there's, there's, we've got a lot of theology of heaven that we kind of have to, to understand. Number one kind of spot where people get hung up is that there's an intermediate heaven and there's an eternal heaven. And if you don't understand that things can be kind of weird. Um, if you read through your Bible, you'll see that when people die, they go to heaven or they go to hell, Hades, um, Sheol in Hebrew. Um, but as you look at this, you'll find that Jesus on the cross turns to the thief next to him because one thief's mocking him. The other thief turns to him and says, "Hey, um, don't mock him. We deserve this. He doesn't. Remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus turns back to him and goes, today, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, it says, I say and would prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord because when you leave the body, it is to be present with the Lord. In Revelation, it talks about a bunch of the martyrs. And they turn to God and go, How much longer before you judge those who killed us? if they're turning to God and asking about when he's going to judge those who persecuted them, it tells us a couple things. It tells us, number one, um, and we'll get more into this in a little bit, that they still remember their life. Going to heaven is not a memory wipe. You are still you. It also tells us that they were somewhat aware of what was going on earth because they're asking and they're going, well, this hasn't happened yet, so they're asking about what's going on on earth. But this wasn't the end of time. They were already with God before he'd even judged them. So they weren't waiting. They were with God right away. And we can go through some more, but we don't have enough time to go through them all. So, But later when we go on, we look through Revelation chapter 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And it goes on, And says that he saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. So it says that the heaven, the new heaven will end up coming down onto the new earth. And there's lots of fun stuff we could get into there, but we're, for you to understand that there's a heaven that people are going to right now that's different from the heaven that will be. Even though in the heaven that there is now, um, it's not just sitting around playing a harp on a cloud. It talks about them still looking like people, still having, wearing robes, having bodies, um, having arms, fingers, tongues, Singing, talking—that—that um, that there is physical, that there is a there is substance there. Now, in the, the new heaven, the body says that there will be the Bible said, the Bible says there'll be a, you'll have a new body. It goes through and says that Jesus was the first of the resurrection, though he was not the first person to be raised from the dead, because others had been revived. You can go through the Old Testament and see where prophets raised up a little boy. Jesus raised several people from the dead. But Jesus rose again in a new body like you're going to have. And, and I've got a lot of fun verses for this. But what's cool is you typically get a new one when you want to improve or when the old one wears out, right? How many of you guys have like, had to get a new phone because they had one with cooler features? Anyone upgraded the phone because the new ones were cooler? Okay. Uh, I got to raise both my hands. Okay, so, um, but, but this idea that we're going to have a new body, you go, well, is the new body going to be different than our old body? Yep. Is it going to look like me? Yep. What's going to be cooler? And I could look at you and say, I don't know, because that's partially true. But I know some things. I think some things. Do you know that Jesus, after he rose from the dead he had his new body his disciples were afraid because they'd, they'd killed Jesus. They, they thought they might come to kill them. So they're, they're meeting together. They locked all the doors. They're hanging out. And Jesus just shows up inside of a room with locked doors. How do you do that? Did he walk through the wall? Maybe. Did he just appear in the room? Maybe. Is that normal? No. Not in this body. So does that mean in the new body I'll be able to walk through walls? Maybe. Does it mean I might just be able to appear in the room? Maybe. Like, does it, does it, Jesus, this is this is kind of a funny thought, and I'm not gonna teach a theology on this, but this is just kind of a fun thought to get your mind, like, going. When Jesus went up to heaven, it says that he ascended up to heaven. This might just be because he's Jesus and he's God and this is his way up. Or it might be that in your new body, ascending, Floating, flying is optional. think so, like, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, it doesn't, doesn't specify angels put their hands under his feet and lifted him to the sky. It doesn't say exactly how that worked. I don't know exactly how it worked. And I don't know if that one's just a Jesus thing, like, hey, you're God, so you're ascending to heaven as God. Or if it's like, hey, you've got a new body, like you're going to give us because you said that... Um, and, and you go through, and there's, there's a bunch of verses. You can find a bunch of them in 1 Corinthians. You can find 1 Corinthians 15, 20, and 23, Colossians 1, 18, Revelation 1, 5, where it talks about us having new bodies. You can go through, and you can look in, in several spots. in John. You can find John 20, where he walked through, uh, where he showed up in a room with locked doors. You can find these different spots, and you go, well, what will my new body be capable of? Cool things. It won't wear out. I'm like, this is awesome. So what is it going to be like? I'm going to be in heaven, on a new earth, with a new body, and it's, there's this other idea that heaven is a communist country. Um, it's not. And so you guys go, what do you mean? Well, in communism, there's this philosophy that I should take from everybody everything and then redistribute it evenly. So it doesn't matter if they were lazy butt, and sit around picking their nose, well, you worked really hard. I'm going to take your stuff and divide it up with them so that we all have the same. And everyone's better off because we all have the same. And little kids like to say, well, ask for stuff like that because like, it's not fair. How come they got two and I got one and, and, and they just complain about things? But the Bible teaches that in heaven, oh, in fact, here, let me go to this one. Revelation 22:12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. What, according to what? Are you going to get into heaven because of your works? No. You're going to get into heaven because of Jesus' works. Are you going to get rewarded for your works? Okay. So what I do right now is meant to set me up for eternity. Because I have one lifetime to set up what I'm going to be rewarded for. And he goes on in 1 Corinthians 3, and it goes on and says that all of our works are gonna be tested by fire. And if they were by selfish motives and selfish different things, it says that it's gonna burn up like wood, hay, and straw. But these different things that we did, he goes through, that the fire will test them. And if anyone's work survives, he will be rewarded. If not, this was never about your works. It says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And it goes through and says that there are people, people in heaven who will be like, I made it! And there are others who are gonna be massively rewarded. And some of you guys are like, well, I don't know what I get rewarded for. God likes to reward. He says, if you give someone a cup of cold water, because they're a believer, because you want to show God's love, he goes, that won't go unnoticed and unrewarded. So God is looking for opportunities to reward. So don't feel like, well, I don't know if I've done anything cool enough. But know that over and over again, it says that he's coming to reward those who are eagerly waiting for his return. 2 Timothy 4.8. It says that, it tells us in Matthew chapter 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Going, That right now, you can do this. Seven times we're told about different crowns in heaven. In parables, Jesus says that, and when he returns, he's going to call us to account. And he goes through and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into my rest. And he rewards them. This one guy, he says, hey, you did a great job with what I gave you on earth. Come rule ten cities. How cool would that be? Get to heaven and God go, hey, well done. Hey, I'm going to make you a king. I want you to rule. And some of you guys go, that's just weird. But do you realize that, um, in fact, there's a bunch of spots. I'll get into, I'm supposed to get into this at the next point. But we'll rule and reign with Jesus in eternity. And this is a cool thing that, that, that he gives different rewards. Uh, he says that your works follow you, that your deeds follow you follow you, that they'll be rewarded. And I got thinking about this going, what is this like? Um, how many of you guys have ever watched Hell's Kitchen on TV? Anyone seen it? OK, a bunch of you guys. A bunch of you guys are like, what are you talking about? That sounds like a horrible show. Um, it's this weird guy who he likes to yell at everybody who's a cook. And uh, he goes through, and he's got these different cooks that are trying to become a, the best chef. And so people like win and lose, and there's lots of drama. And there's a kid version that's way better than the adult version. The adult version, they just cuss each other out all the time. And it's like, beep, 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 beep. And you're like, what? My TV broken, everything's a beep. No, it's a bad language. Okay, so, um, but there's this one thing that I caught that I thought was really cool. He has these cooking competitions. And so he tells them like, hey, you're going to cook something. You need to cook me. And he like, lames, this like crazy dish. Like, all right, you need to cook, da, 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 da. Or, or you've got to make something awesome out of chicken. You figure out what you're going to cook. And then there's like a giant fridge, like a big fridge that you can all run into at the same time. And he goes, all right, you have 60 seconds to get your supplies or two minutes or whatever. He gives them this little time limit. He says, go get what you want. And they've got their baskets and all the contestants go running in there and they rip through the fridge and they're like grabbing everything they think they're going to need. They're like, well, I'm going to need eggs. I'm going to need, I'm going to need flour. I'm going to need sugar. I'm going to need salt. I'm going to need this. And they're grabbing everything that they're going to need from in there. And they've only got so long, so they're quick, grabbing it, grabbing it, grabbing it. The timer's going, the timer's going. And then they come out, and he like, beeps, shuts it, locks it. And they go back to their stations. And now they have to cook, whatever it is that he said they have to cook. But all that they have to use is what they got in that time period. Hmm. And I got to think about this. So their whole thing rests on what they did during that two minutes that they had in the cooler. Because if you're a really good cook and you have no ingredients, you got nothing. You got an imagination. It's imagination pie. Picture your greatest flavor. Like, It's not going to work. He goes through and says, you have this life to fill your cart because your deeds will follow you. And he wants to reward you. And, and as I, I talk about rewards, so often people start to get kind of excited at the idea of getting rewarded, but they go, well, what? It's a new earth. What is going to happen? What am I going to do? And am I going to be bored? Do you realize that in heaven or in the Garden of Eden, where God said everything was good before there was sin, Genesis chapter two fifteen, God gave Adam a job before there was sin. That he made him, that he told him to uh, tend and to keep the garden. That he was to have dominion over the entire earth. That Adam was made to rule and to run the garden and the planet. God's plan for you never involved you sitting on your butt and going, I have nothing to do. Forever and ever. That was never what God had in mind. And you go well. As as we look, we go well. What will it be like? He says that we'll serve God, we'll worship God, we'll rule with Christ. In you'll find it in Revelation twenty two five. It says that will they will rule. They will reign forever and ever. Um, in Second Timothy two twelve. It says if we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. We look back at the garden going, God had a plan. He wanted us to rule and to reign. In fact, there's a lot that you'll catch from Genesis, the way God made the earth and the way it was supposed to be, and the way that in Revelation chapter 21, it re, it's remade and becomes a new earth. And people go, well, I, I just can't picture what a new earth would be like. What's it gonna be? like? Okay, you may not know everything, but if I was to tell you I'm gonna get you a new car, could you picture a new car? Why? Because you've seen an old car? <laughs> What's it going to be like? Well, probably won't have any of the rest spots. Like, it's going to have wheels. Um, it's a car, four wheels. It's just kind of standard. If it's uh, got two, it's called a motorcycle. So it's got four wheels. You know, it's kind of a given. Um, probably has a windshield. Kind of helps if you're going to go very fast. Probably a steering wheel. Probably a radio if it's a new one. Should have a radio. Maybe it's got leather. Maybe heated seats. Like... You start going through this and you can kind of picture things because you know what an old one is. So if I want to get a glimpse of what the new heaven is going to be like, where is the best spot for me to look? Probably at earth. Can you put up that next picture? Okay. So I'm going to go through a couple of pictures. I'm going to go through them really fast. But when you see this, how many of you guys would like to go there? How many want to swim in that water? Okay, so, and you can go through, you can picture all of the amazing places that you wish you could vacation. All right, we're going to go through some pictures pretty quick. Because heaven is going to be absolutely awesome. It is going to be like the best of what earth has to offer, but without sin, without decay, without murder, without death, without sickness, where you can play with the animals. In fact, you go through this and it's gonna be awesome, where the colors are more vibrant than you've ever seen, where everything is meant, I really like that one, where everything (laughs) is meant to be ruled and reigned by you, where elephants, where lions will respond to you, where they'll listen to your voice, Well, they'll listen to your command fun would that be? A bunch of you guys are going, no, no, I'd be scared. What if you couldn't die? You're like, so, so awesome. All right. So you're going through this and to think that all of this, you're like, I could be there. I could be running through that puddle. I could be climbing that mountain. I could put my hand on that whale shark. I could, this would be so much fun. Do you realize that the new heaven will be a new improved earth so that these kind of places will fill it so that these kind of places will be home to you. And here, you want to have some fun? You want to play with your head just a little bit? Um, If you go into Isaiah chapter 65, verse 25, you'll find this again in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 and 9. You'll find it again in 65, 24. There's a couple, couple spots. But it talks about the animals and different theologians will talk and say, hey, some of this is about the new earth. Some of this is about the millennial reign of Christ. Then some will argue, it you knows all the millennial reign of Christ. But it is arguable. And if you're going, what's the millennial reign of Christ? After Jesus comes back, he's gonna rule and reign on earth for a thousand years um, before um, we see the new heaven and the new earth. In that time, he says that the lion will lay down with the lamb or the wolf will lay down with the lamb. The lion will eat straw like an ox and goes through and talks about a kid leading them. You'll be able to walk up to a lion. It won't run to eat you or away from you. And then if you really want to play with your head just a little bit, do you realize, I don't know if you ever thought about this, in Genesis chapter 3, um, you got who? How many of you have ever heard of Adam and Eve? Okay, so Adam and Eve, they're walking through the garden. Eve walks to up to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where she's not supposed to eat the fruit. And a snake, a serpent, begins to speak to her from out of the tree. So there's a snake up there, starts talking to her. What would you do if the snake started talking to you? You'd freak out. Ah! it's talking, kill it. Like, you would freak out. Why? Why would you freak out? Because snakes don't talk. She didn't freak out. Why not? And I, I, I wasn't there, so I can't say, because all the snakes talked, or all the animals I don't know. I wasn't there. But she wasn't surprised. And you go, well, is this the only spot... In the Bible, where we see an animal talk, and you go, "No." Anyone seen Shrek? Talking donkey? All right. Wonder where he gets the idea. We can go back, and you can find this story in Genesis as well. This story is going to come up in um, Genesis. It's in my notes somewhere. It's referenced in Second Peter two sixteen, but it's also in Genesis. I want to say it's chapter nineteen, but anyhow. Story of Balaam, the part of the story that's relevant for you is this guy's disobeying God, and he's riding his donkey. God sends an angel to oppose him, and his donkey can see the angel, and he can't. And so the donkey like, is trying to get around the angel, and he smashes his foot. He walks off the trail. He does all this crazy stuff, and the guy gets really mad at his donkey and decides he wants to get off his donkey and starts to beat his donkey, and it says God opened the mouth of the donkey. It doesn't say God spoke to the donkey like it does when it says that he spoke out of the burning bush. It just says God opened the mouth of the donkey. And the donkey began to speak to Balaam. What have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? Hmm. When you read it, it appears to be the donkey's own thoughts that are expressed when his mouth was opened. In heaven, there will be animals. This much is for sure. You can go through and it talks about there being, talks about them, debatably whether this is in the millennial reign or whether this is in heaven, but you for sure see horses in heaven and you see a bunch of different animals that are in heaven. You see um, chariots of fire that came down. There's lots of cool stuff. We could go into that. That's a lesson in and of itself, but this is the point. There'll be animals. They will be friendly. They will be under the rule and reign that we're supposed to be doing with Christ. Possibly able to speak. C.S. Lewis and Narnia have nothing on Jesus. And I got thinking about this. Going, this is this is crazy. The idea of walking up to a lion, hearing it roar, and going, Good to see you, Leo! I wanna ride, grabbing onto its mane and jumping on its back and go, Let's go! Like, that's awesome. The idea of walking out in the ocean. Have anyone ever been to the ocean? Anyone seen a dolphin? Anyone want to touch it? Okay. Kind of freaked me out the first time I saw a dolphin. I was out on a little kayak thing, and all of a sudden a gray fin popped up coming towards me. Oh, it's a dolphin. It's a dolphin. It's a dolphin. (laughs) But if they can talk, even if they can't talk, if it says that a, a little boy will lead a lion, will lead them. I can just walk out, go, hey, take me for a ride. And I, and I, I haven't, I, I don't know this, but here's just a funny thought. In heaven, there's no more death, but there's water. If you can't die and there's water, does that mean you can't drown? <laughs> the Bible does not say you can't drown in heaven in your new body. It just says that there's rivers. It talks about there being water and says that there's no more death. And I look and go, hmm, I wonder. And and you go, I don't don't know all all the answers. But I know that it's going to be awesome. And I know that even more than it being awesome in that you're going to be able to run and play and you're going to have a new body that's going to have no sickness, no pain, no death, that there'll be no arthritis, that there'll be no sick people, that... You're gonna be able to play with animals and it's gonna be awesome. But what's gonna be even greater is being in the presence of Jesus. And I've had people go, well, yeah, whatever. They just don't feel, it's because they don't know Jesus. They don't know how awesome it's gonna be. And here, I discovered something. The first time I ever drove intentionally below the speed limit after driver's training, um, I had a problem with going too fast for, we'll just say years. Say So um, uh, I was out with a girl and I was gonna bring her home. When I got to her house, I had to drop her off. I didn't want to get to her house. I had to drop her off. See what I did? I drove slow. Why? Because it wasn't about where we were going, it was about who I was with. I was lost once with a girl. And I'd actually flown to Texas to visit her, and. Um, And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I want to take you to see these cool places and we're lost. I'm like, I don't care. I just flew across the country because I wanted to hang out with you. We're hanging out. Anyone ever done a road trip? Anyone ever been on one that was horrible? Awesome. When a lot of times you get in there, especially if you have like a baby in the car that can make for a horrible um, road trip. People. Okay, so anyways, flashbacks. Um, when a road trip, when you're not excited about spending that much compact time with somebody, is a nightmare. But I've talked to people who are just excited. They're like, what are you going to do? We're going to go on a road trip. Where are you going? I haven't figured it out yet. We've got to map it out. We're going to go somewhere cool. And they're like, make it up. We're going to go see the Grand Canyon. Like, that's on the other side of the country. I'm like, great. It's going to be a road trip. Like why? Well, we're going to get a bunch of people that we like. We're going to stick them in an enclosed space and we're going to get to hang out for the entire time. In heaven, not only are you going to be able to run on awesome beaches, play volleyball, climb mountains, mountain bike, ride lions, play with horses, all these cool different things. You're going to get to do it with Jesus. You're going to get to rule and reign with him. And as I begin to see this, I'm like, this is going to be so awesome. The idea of being in heaven, you know, those like awesome mountains that you saw? Could you imagine being on those mountains? Like you walk out and you're like, this is awesome. You look down into the valley, you begin to walk, walk down into the valley, but the colors are more vibrant than you've ever seen before. The sounds are clear. It's like finally everything is in high definition as everything comes in and you can just smell it and you can just feel like this is just, I, I, I'm alive, I'm real. And as you, as you begin to go, you climb to the next peak and you get up there like, this is awesome. And you look out and you see the city. You're like, it's the New Jerusalem, it's the city. And you look out, and you can see the lights, and it's beautiful. And all of a sudden, you begin to hear the sound of cheering. It sounds like 10,000 football games cheering at the victory of the great win. And you're hearing, you're like, I, I, I just need to be there. I just, I just want to go there. And you're like, I got to run. And you begin to run to the city. And as you run, you begin to see a lion. You see the lion, you're like, Leo, I want to ride. And you just grab and like, Take me to the city. And you just begin to ride towards the city. And as you get as you get down, you go into the valley and you see the river that's beginning to come from the city. And you hop off and you take a drink, and it refreshes you like nothing you've ever had before. You grab a leaf off the tree and you smell it. And you're, oh my word, this is just, ah, oh, just. It brings life. You can feel it as it goes down into your lungs and just, and there, there you like, oh, I mean, taste the fruit. You take a bite of the fruit and just the the, the flavor just explodes inside your mouth. But not only does it, is it flavorful, but you can feel it begin to strengthen your entire body. And you're like, I feel stronger. I feel ready. Let's get there. Let's get to the city. I've got to see what everyone is cheering for. I've got to see the Lord. And you begin to race into the city. And as you see there, you see the crowds as they begin to cheer as God begins to reveal himself to them. As you walk up and you're excited and you're coming forward and you're running and all of a sudden you see Jesus beginning to walk towards you, and, and your heart begins to beat inside your chest, and it beats so loud that you begin to hear it. And you're like, Can everyone hear my heart? Is my heart the loudest thing in heaven? And as he gets closer, you drop to your knees. You're like, Oh, my word, it's the Lord God Almighty. And, he, and he's walking towards me. And, and like the excitement begins to fill you, your heart begins to pound. And as he comes up, he reaches up, and you begin to declare that he is God, that he is worthy. And he reaches out and he touches you. And as he touches you, your heart almost stops inside of your chest. Like it's just another like breath that begins to like save you. And you breathless as he picks you up, and you're like, I'm standing in front of God, and like, you, you can feel it as it just goes through your body, and your heart, boom, boom, and like, and like he looks at you, and you begin to look up, and you're like, oh my word, and he looks at you, look into his eyes, and as you look into his eyes, everything just begins to let go, and you're like, oh. and you're just weightless, as you're free to, to the love that, that looks back at you like you've never seen, like, God, thank you, and he looks at you and goes, thank you, well done, good and faithful servant, and he hugs you, and you're just like, oh, I, I'm hugging God. <laughs> and the joy just begins to flow. He says, Look, look, I have a seat for you. The feast is about to start, it's going to be a party. Come on. And Jesus invites you to sit with him. And you run it. And, and, and we could go on and on and begin to paint pictures as best as I can, as limited as I am. But what I want you to understand is that heaven is going to be incredible and that the choices that you make today affect eternity. But here's the scary part. God has invited all, but not all are going to go because it's a simple, He says, I'm offering you an invitation, but you have to receive it. You have that two minutes in the fridge to find out what you're gonna grab. He goes, you have your entire life, or until I come back, to decide, to respond to my offer, to receive the forgiveness that I died and rose again to give you. You have this offer. What are you gonna do with it? Will you make me Lord of your life? Will you live for me? And some of you guys go, yes, this is so exciting. I can hardly wait. I want to make sure that I'm living in a way that God has lost reward me for. I'm excited. Heaven's going to be awesome. And others are going, I just want to go. And if you don't know that you would go, if you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, if you have not received the offer, the forgiveness, and to begin to live with him, start the relationship with Jesus, I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Could everyone bow their heads, close their eyes. Get ready. One, when I sit here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Two, this is your chance. Three, say, that's me. I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm on way to heaven. Who says, that's me? Awesome. Who else says, that's me? Awesome. Most important decision that anybody ever makes. Awesome. You can put your hands down. We're going to declare Jesus to be Lord of our life as it says in Romans chapter 10. And if you raise your hand, I'm gonna invite you to join me. If you say, I've already done that, then great. Then just go ahead and, and declare Jesus to be Lord with us. And just repeat after me. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Thank you for dying for me. For raising again. I believe that you washed my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.